Hi everyone, welcome to Around the World in 80s Movies. My name is Vince Leo, I'm the author of the film review website Quipster.net. I invite you to check out over 4,000 of my written reviews, you can read there anytime. Quipster.net is where to go, Q-W-I-P-S-T-E-R.net. Now that we've finished with the Back to the Future series, I'm going to get into another set of three films that have something in common. Today I'm going to start that off with The Dark Crystal, in which we have fantasy adventures that have something to do with the last of a particular kind. The last of a species, the last of a family, the last of something. So The Dark Crystal being the last of the Gelflings in this film, and that will be the through line to which the other two movies that we're going to feature are going to also draw from. The Dark Crystal is a fantasy adventure, as I mentioned. It is a film from 1982. It's a PG-rated film because of fantasy, violence, and some scary moments. The runtime is an hour and 33 minutes. The directors are Jim Henson and Frank Oz. Of course, we all know that Frank Oz went on to direct a great many very fine comedies throughout the 80s, 90s. And of course, we all know Jim Henson's work over the years. Jim Henson, Frank Oz also provide some of the voice work in this film, the puppet work, along with Catherine Mullen, Dave Goles, Steve Whitmire, etc. The screenplay is credited to Dave O'Dell. You know, Jim Henson, he's the Muppet mastermind. He is here conceiving of a very darkly imagined fantasy story. It utilizes Henson's vast imagination as well as his wizardry within the world of puppetry to create this new world. And regardless of what one might perceive of the story itself within The Dark Crystal, this is a masterful technical achievement in live action cinema. This crafts an entire world of fantasy that's represented by a complex variety of puppets and does so without the need for human actors to appear on the screen. Here Henson's teaming up with Gary Kurtz. Kurtz produced the first two Star Wars films And Henson, along with co-director and longtime collaborator Frank Oz, this was the first theatrical effort as director for Oz. And one of the Muppet Show's writers, Dave O'Dell, they all got together to make The Dark Crystal and conceived of it as a game changer in the realm of screen fantasy. Although, unfortunately, never really quite took root in the way that it rightfully should. They were releasing this in December, thinking that it could be the next Star Wars, but it never quite panned out the way that they intended. This one dips into this thirst that existed for fantasy adventures in the early 1980s. Jim Henson taking on the world of Jake R.R. Tolkien. This is a tale reminiscent of those Hobbit tales because this one tells of a wondrous land on this planet called Thra, which if you look at the letters in Thra, T-H-R-A, it's really a mix of the letters in Earth. On Thra, there's this giant crystal of truth, of course, hence the title, and it provides a sort of balance for this mystical world. However, a millennium ago, there was an imbalance that occurred during the so-called Great Conjunction when all of the suns were aligned. The crystal ended up cracking and it allowed the evil Skeksis to take control of power. And they maintained that power by keeping themselves young, by sucking the life energy from other creatures, including the peaceful Gelflings, which are very powerful, and putting the other local species into slavery or just living in fear. However, not all of the Gelflings end up being wiped out because we meet Jen, the perceived last of his kind, having been sheltered and raised by the kindly counterparts to the Skeksis, the wise and gentle mystics called the Uru. 
And now the aging emperor of the Skeksis is on his deathbed along with the mystic that raised the goodly gen, as there appears to be a symbiotic link between the two polar opposites, the Skeksis and the mystics. We later discover another sheltered Geltfling has also survived, one named Kira, who has been taken in and raised by podlings that inhabit the swamp area of the land. So the Gelflings, Jen and Kira, are targeted by the Skeksis because there's this age-old prophecy that says a Gelfling is going to champion the day, and of course they thought they had gotten rid of them, and here they appear. So seeking to possess the missing shard that would make the Dark Crystal complete and bring harmony back to the ancient land before it turns dark forever at the moment of the second great conjunction of the planet's three suns, it's up to Jen and Kira to save the realm from its darkest time under the Skeksis rule. Now that was quite a mouthful when it comes to the plotting of this film, and part of the reason why I think that it didn't quite take hold the way that, say, Star Wars had is because it does have kind of a complicated story here for children to follow. You know, we start with the premise that so much has been lost, and there's so much more to lose. This feudal world of Thra is indeed just hanging on to the decency by the thinnest of threads because we have the decadent Skeksis, they're corrupt, they're power hungry, they're not even happy or civil with one another except through tradition. In contrast, the mild-mannered mystics, they seemingly have little power other than through themselves. They have power from within and that power is amplified by being a unified group as well. The Gelflings only have two survivors of their entire species. We learn later that these two, Jen and Kira, are also closely related so if they're going to continue to populate the Gelflings, that's kind of an interesting notion as well. But also of interest is that their entire culture has been lost because we do get a glimpse of the past that we only see within those Gelfling ruins. But then Jen and Kira, who were raised entirely from the cultures of other species, Jen was raised with the mystics, Kira was raised with the podlings, they don't really have that cultural tie to who they once were, this great race of Gelflings. So from a thematic standpoint, the film can be interpreted as a rationalization for balance within our own world, the human world, with, between the beliefs of science as well as that of religion. The Skeksis represent the scientific side. They have knowledge of magic that exists within their world, but they choose to ignore the tenets that most of our own human religions follow, and they make elaborate contraptions and doodads in order to try to harness that power for their own purposes they often use it to drain power and youthfulness away from lesser creatures around them. Meanwhile, we observe the mystics, who are a representative of ancient religious beliefs. They use the power within themselves and their shared community to effect change. They call upon higher spirituality instead of modern technology to deliver a modicum of healing power that the Skeksis have long since forgotten how to tap into. Further contrasting these two species, the Skeksis are a race that fights and would kill even each other for power, whereas the mystics represent a belief in equality, both within their society and within themselves. The end of the Dark Crystal suggests that harmony and unity necessitates that we balance these contrasting aspects of ourselves, humans being the predominant species over all other species on our own planet we as humans should seek to explore science and technology, but not at the expense of forgetting the spirituality and the philosophy of the past that unite us all into being a complete and soulful being. It's like the yin and the yang theory of Chinese philosophy, of how opposite sides can be complementary to one another, and they're necessary in order to form a seamless whole. So becoming whole is the goal, 
in this film and in life to achieve balance because the crystal needs its missing shard the forces of darwinian survival and spiritual guidance have to unite in order to paint a complete picture of human existence as well as the existence of other life on earth only once that balance has been achieved can we progress to a higher plane something that the film metaphorically depicts toward the end in the transcendence portions of the climax Taking a step back from the thematic material to just observe the Dark Crystal as a production of a film, the puppet designs of the Dark Crystal are truly breathtaking. You have the vulture-esque Skeksis, the sloth-like mystics, the agile elfin gelflings, the swift and stilted landstriders during one particular scene. You have Kira's spry and free-moving pet that offers a lot of comic relief, Fizzgig, and then these dangerous crab-like minions of the Skeksis called the Gartham. Each of these characters and their models is crafted with loving detail. From the individually distinct designs, I mean, no two characters of any of these species or races are identical, which is very phenomenal to observe. They have intricate movements. They have fully detailed facial expressions. You know, some of these are full body suits that took multiple people to operate. They're breathtaking to behold in their effective intricacies. And it includes some groundbreaking use of remote control technology, not only externally, but internally in order to bring each of these characters to life. Even the plants and the trees in this film are completely reimagined as if they came from another planet entirely. You would not identify anything earthly within this film specifically. It all is just a little bit different, a little bit alien to what we see here on Earth. So along with the amazing puppetry, as well as those character models, the Dark Crystal also greatly benefits from some stellar artwork and really rich set design. And despite all of the amazing technical achievements of this film, as well as a respectable box office take, it ended up being the 16th highest grossing film domestically in the United States in 1982. It even beat out other fantasy films such as Conan the Barbarian and The Sword and the Sorcerer, just edge those films out. The Dark Crystal really hasn't developed over the years beyond its cult following the way that Jim Henson's much less financially successful movie, Labyrinth, which also has creatures based on the gorgeous designs of English fantasy illustrator Brian Froud. Labyrinth has kind of achieved a bit of upper echelon fan favorite film of the 1980s. Dark Crystal has its fans. It's not quite as widely embraced, despite the fact that it earned over three or four times the amount that Labyrinth did at the box office. Maybe it's because it's too darkly violent, and it's a little nightmare-inducing in terms of its imagery at times for impressionable children. It doesn't contain the musical numbers the way that many other Jim Henson projects from the Muppets to Labyrinth tend to, and it does feature a fairly strange story that's set in this alien realm. It doesn't have any human characters with which to readily identify for some audiences that might be important. So the Dark Crystal remains this artistic oddity that never quite found the wider audience that Jim Henson had been hoping to attract. And yet it's also a film that's still very much championed by those who respect the vision and the overall spectacle that Henson was trying to achieve, even if that spectacle comes at the expense of that story that's contained within. It's a marvelous looking film, certainly richly detailed and you know, I almost feel like the film should have stripped back a lot of the dialogue. In fact, the Skeksis and Mystics were supposed to have no English dialogue whatsoever. It got redubbed later because this film was kind of failing to connect with audiences, so they redubbed the Skeksis in order to have them deliver dialogue. And a lot of the different species were supposed to have their own languages. This was a really elaborate effort. 
And unfortunately, they had to make a few compromises in order to try to make it a little bit more commercially appealing. This is a very costly film to produce. Even Jim Henson ended up having to buy it back to see his original vision. He paid $15 million out of his own money in order to have artistic control of this film. Nevertheless, the labor of love on Henson's part deserves its due, thanks to this timeless tale that spun within, as well as the wonderful wizardry that brings Henson's seemingly boundless imagination to life. The Dark Crystal is a limited appeal movie, but it is very unique unto itself and something that I can see somebody really getting into. This is a film that has a very strong cult following, very rabid cult following, enough for the Henson Company as well as others to try to remake it or rehash it. There's been talk within the last decade of actually doing a reboot of this film or perhaps even a sequel to the movie. It hasn't quite come into effect. There's talk now of a Netflix serialized series in order to continue the vision that Henson drew forth. I'll believe it when I see it, but, uh, you know, this is a film, like I said, it has a ready-built audience out there. How much of that really exists in order to make it a lucrative project today, I don't know. But consider me among its fans. I really enjoy The Dark Crystal. It's the first time I've seen this film, actually, since I was 11 years old. So this is a long time coming for me, and I was pretty impressed by what I see as an adult. This is not a kid's movie. This is a family film, despite some dark subject matter and also the violence, but certainly one that I greatly admire, I greatly respect, and I find entertaining enough to recommend at three and a half stars out of four. Three and a half stars means I do think that The Dark Crystal is a good film. And if it sounds at all interesting to you, if you're a fan of Jim Henson, if you love puppetry, if you love science fiction, fantasy films, especially of the 1980s, I couldn't recommend it much higher. I do think that there's a lot here to admire. Even if you don't necessarily connect with it directly, it's still an experience that I find worth watching on the biggest screen possible. So three and a half stars goes to the Dark Crystal. Yes, we're going to continue on with the fantasy adventure films. The next film I'm going to be talking about, we had The Last of the Gelflings in this film. We're going to have The Last of the Unicorns in, of course, The Last Unicorn, also from 1982, on the very next review. So if you like trying to keep up with the movies before I get to the reviews, check out The Last Unicorn because I'll be covering that next week. Thank you, everyone, for listening, and I hope that you enjoyed the review. Click that subscribe button, and you'll continue to get all of the films throughout the 80s covered and reviewed for you, including lots of trivia and tidbits that I try to throw in there as well. Around the World in 80s Movies is the name of the show. You can also subscribe to my film review podcast covering new films, and that's called the Quipster Film Review Podcast. Q-W-I-P-S-T-E-R is how to spell Quipster. You can also go to quipster.net for my written reviews. So until next time, thank you for joining me on this trip around the world and other worlds, too, in the 80s. Hi everyone, I'm here with my daughter Lily. Lily hasn't actually been on this show for a while, but we're getting back into it because quite a few listeners who wanted to hear more of what Lily's takes are about these films. Lily, you have fans out there, believe it or not, and they want to hear your takes on these movies. Are you excited about that? Yeah.
So I'm excited to have you back on here, Lily. We'll try to get you on here whenever we watch a film that would appeal to kids. What did you like most about The Dark Crystal? I love The Crystal because it's so shiny, and I have a crystal that <laughs> looks just like oh, that. Oh, yeah. Would you like to have a crystal as large as the one that you saw in the movie? Yeah. Yeah, this thing is going to take up like half your room, <laughs> though, Lily, so you may have to get rid of some of your toys. Would you be willing to do that for The Dark Crystal? I would probably keep it in safe keepings, like an underground um, house, and I would probably shine it every day. You would shine it? <laughs> so if the crystal had powers, what would you want it to do, if, you, if it could do anything? Ice and hot lava. You would, <laughs> you would want it to create ice and hot lava. And what would you do with ice and hot lava? Free stuff. Freeze um, anything? Yeah. Freeze. What would you want to freeze with ice? The mudslides and the fires. Oh, yes. So we live in Southern California, and we had a lot of fires recently and mudslides as a result of the rains after the fires. Now, you, you do realize that if you freeze the earth there that was going to be in a mudslide, then it would eventually melt and probably cause the mudslide anyway, right? Well, then I would put hot lava on top <laughs> of it and then another layer. Okay, so if we're not going to get inundated with fire or water or earth, we're going to have hot lava. I don't know that this would be necessarily safer, Lily. Um, I think we're going to have to end up moving away. And uh, I don't know. Who's going to carry the, the crystal? That thing seems like too large for us to carry um, away. You. I would be carrying it. <laughs> I, I'm glad that you think I'm that strong, but uh, I can barely lift a box of paper, so I don't know if, I, if I'm gonna be if I'm gonna be lifting a uh, big crystal. Well, who's your favorite character in the Dark Crystal? That little puppy. The puppy. You mean Fizzgig? Yeah. Okay. I thought that would be your favorite. So, what did you like the most about Fizzgig? He's so cute and fluffy. Oh. So Fizzgig, what would you feed Fizzgig? I don't even know what it eats. It probably eats something from another planet. Donut. <laughs> Did you like the Skeksis? Yeah. You like the Skeksis, the bad guys? <laughs> Just kidding. Okay, because we've had you sometimes root for the bad guys, right? Mm-hmm. So what did you not like about the Skeksis? That they were bad and evil, and they looked so creepy. You initially didn't know they were called Skeksis. You thought they were called Sexies? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Lily thought they were saying sexies, and that was kind of funny. I'm Skeksis, and I know it. <laughs> now, there's listeners out there that are upset, probably, that I that you even know the lyrics to that song. So I know. So anyway, I'm glad that you liked The Dark Crystal. What would you give it on a scale of 1 to 10? 15. 15? Wow, we're breaking out of the 10s and 11s and 12s, and we're getting into 15. I'm glad we're making new fans of these films of the 1980s, so... Say goodbye to everyone, Lily. Bye-bye.